0: Hi, a quick note before we start. If you have young listeners with you, please be advised that this podcast contains strong language. Also, it's serialized, so if you're just joining in here, you should go back and start at Episode 1 of Season 3. Okay, let's start the show.
1: All righty. And, only 10.52. (laughs) We're doing wonderful.
0: It's just a few weeks after Jason's terrifying asthma attack at home. I'm going with him to see Dr. Saxaria, little Liam's doctor. How you doing? What's
1: Dr. Saxaria?
0: He's the allergist who helped get Liam's asthma under control. Jason is hoping the doctor will be able to work his healing magic over him, too. When we arrive, it's a generic medical office with some bored people sitting looking at their phones, a TV playing a soap opera on the wall. On the surface, nothing indicates what a big deal this place could be for Jason. And nobody's making a fuss over Jason either. Like, oh, you're the comedian who died on stage.
1: So the first thing we're going to do assessment-wise is a breathing assessment. I'm sure you've done something like this if you went to PCC.
0: The nurse does some breathing tests on him. Jason's mood seems pretty calm. But once we're alone in the little exam room, his jokes feel a shade darker than usual.
1: I always know the Grim Reaper's kind of reaching a little bit, and I keep slapping his hand. Get your hand away from me. <laughs> So yeah. Hey. Is it okay if you have does. a resident with us? Absolutely. Hi. Hi. I'm Hi. How feeling. you doing? Jason. Nice to meet Pleasure you. Pleasure to meet you. Jason. Nice Even
0: though Jason has had asthma since he was a kid, he hasn't been followed by a doctor in years. Oh,
1: right. Dr. What
0: Sixaria what orders allergy tests for him. A different nurse comes in and puts pinpricks all up and down his arms. She turns a timer to 15 minutes to wait for a reaction, but the little dots turn into giant welts almost immediately.
1: Whatever that is. This shit looks like welts. Jason
0: has more allergies than he ever knew about to every kind of tree, pollen, grass, mold. The doctor tells Jason that the severe attack in Philly probably wasn't caused by the wine he drank before going on stage. He says it was likely caused by some of these allergens, combined with stress. None of them are things you can avoid. And then the doctor says something even less reassuring.
1: Are you aware that people, according to data, this is science that shows that people who've been intubated on a respirator have a very high risk of having that happen to them again. Really? Okay. And also dying from it. Mm. I'm just telling you straight out as right, it is. right. And the reason I'm saying
0: that... Intubation is when they have to stick a tube down a person's throat to help him breathe with a ventilator. Jason was intubated at the hospital in Philadelphia. When Dr. Sixaria says this about intubation being a risk for death, I'm looking down at my recorder, but I whip my head up. Jason is nodding, but his face isn't showing much emotion. As soon as Dr. sixaria leaves the room, that's the first thing I ask him about. How did you feel when he said, anybody's been intubated? Is a increased? he's probably
1: gonna die. <laughs> yeah, that, that was probably the highlight of the appointment for me. When he uh, yeah looked me in my eyes and told me that I'm most likely gonna die in the coming years. When I hear things like that, first thing I think about is just the, the boys indeed. Like, it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's good to be here. Yeah, yeah.
0: I want to reassure him somehow. But what else is there to say? It's a lot to process.
1: You're gonna feel great. I think in the next four weeks you're gonna be rocking. I appreciate it. Thank you. You can (laughs) do a stand-up comedy all the time, all day. Awesome. We will make sure you'll be fine. I'll be back. Everyone is staying
0: upbeat for now, but the combination of a second serious attack and now hearing a doctor say Jason's chances of dying are higher—it's working on him. He feels vulnerable again, and he's taking that on stage.
1: How's everybody doing? Am I good?
0: The next show I see of Jason's, the death set, has a completely different feel.
1: I, uh, I want to tell y'all a story tonight. So I'm not going to do a bunch of jokes. It's a story. And it's a very personal story to me. And it's called Asthma is a Ho. (laughs) I've suffered asthma my entire life.
0: The material feels more raw. I
1: used to have terrible attacks growing up.
0: When Jason and I spoke about his home attack— he told me he thought it would actually help his performance. I think this is what he meant.
1: It gives you perspective when you die. It makes you enjoy the everyday things, the little stuff. I enjoy my children annoying me more now. Just like, because you got to be alive to be annoyed. I enjoy feeling my breath leave my body and come back in. It's like breath is life. Everything we do is that inhale, that exhale, everything.
0: — Jason is sounding more emotionally connected to what he's saying, like he's really telling people how it feels to die and survive.
1: — What happens when you die is you don't want to die again. So when we got home, we put in this whole plan of, like, how to avoid this. So now, like, in this bag that I carry right here, I've got T-shirts and DVDs, which you guys are free to buy. <laughs> But I also got EpiPen today and allergy medicine and prednisone and all this other type of shit, just in case. So
0: Usually, Jason offer. tells 20 minutes of death jokes in a 40-minute set. This time, he jokes about his death for a full hour. If the stage is where he works through what's on his mind, this is all he can talk about tonight.
1: This story deserves to have peaks and valleys and... And I think when I first started approaching the first couple of times I told it, I wanted it to feel like, ha, ah, ah, ha, ah, ha, ha, just laugh, 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 laugh. Because it's more comfortable compared to what I'm doing now. It's very, it feels more monologuish. It feels, it's moments where, you know, you just want to sit and listen to this. And I'm hoping that what I say at the very end of this pays it off.
0: This is fun. Yeah, it it's is November fun. 1st, like exactly good one good. month to go, before yeah, Jason's big special. Uh, my name is Matt Galloway. He's been invited to Toronto to do a showcase with several other performers on the bill. I meet up with him there, and we're both impressed with the size of the theater. It seats 650 people and is almost sold out. This place is even bigger than the Baltimore Theater, where Jason will record his own special. Hey,
1: what's up? What's up, Toronto? How y'all doing? Thank you. Thank you for that gentle and tasteful applause. I appreciate it. Thank you. This is a crazy high stage. I feel like I'm about to announce my candidacy for something right now.
0: This performance is like a starter pistol at the beginning of a race, kicking Jason into high gear. He's now just a month away from the show that has consumed him for the past year. The finish line will be the special. He's calling it unknown, a reference to the hospital bracelet he woke up with but also a comment on where he feels he's at in his career. He doesn't want to be unknown ever again. Since I can't be with Jason at every minute leading up to the special, I ask him to keep an audio diary. He sends me entries that he records on his phone, either late at night or early morning, or whenever he has a quiet moment, really, to keep me up to date.
1: Hey, Tally, good morning. It is 5.35 in the morning. I'm actually still laying. In this uh, Toronto hotel bed. Uh, It is. November 2nd. Which means it is 29 days. Until unknown. And I just woke up. With a pit in my stomach. And like my chest. In knots. Just that feeling of. I don't know. I just had this picture in my head. Of like just people sitting there. Not laughing. And. I don't know. I don't know if you want to call it a nightmare or or what, but it's a heavy feeling. Um, but I think this may be the new norm.
0: Coming up, Jason and his team prepare for the special, but as showtime nears things start to fall apart. There are so many podcasts out there, it can be hard to sort through the noise and find one you love. I want to recommend one of my favorites, Reveal, from the Center for Investigative Reporting and PRX. I listen to the show for its in-depth reporting of important stories where often I've heard a bit about it, but I want to know what's really going on. For example, in their episode, Silencing Science, Reveal exposed how officials at the National Park Service tried to censor a climate scientist, one who'd been hired to research 100 national parks and how climate change could cause future flooding. But after the Trump administration took over, the researcher was pressured to delete references to humans causing climate change. Facts matter, today more than ever. Every week, Reveal digs super deep to uncover corruption, deception, malfeasance, inequality. And year after year, Reveal wins many of the biggest awards in journalism. And the sound is transportive. For some of the best reporting out there, check out Reveal on iTunes, Radio Public, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Learn more at revealnews.org. Y'all want to go in? After Toronto, Jason flies back to Baltimore and gets swept up into logistics for the show.
1: That's Shalonda Stokes up there, uh, one of the other producing partners of the project, sitting out here in the big body instead A BMW.
0: One of Dion's so best friends, Shalonda, will be helping him with coordination. And in a huge move for the family, Jason's wife Dion quits the corporate marketing job she's had for years to found her own marketing firm. Jason's show will be Dion's first project. Shalanda and Dion have promised to try to lighten the production burden on Jason so he can just focus on his set. But a huge part of promoting the show has to fall on his shoulders.
1: I'll be really happy when they sell out. Once the shows sell out, then my mind can even settle more. And I would love to have that shit sold out. If we could sell it out in a week, I'd be happy. A
0: week? That's nothing.
1: I would love that.
0: Jason needs the theater to be full. Not just for his own morale, but it would look bad to film a comedy special with empty seats. To fill both performances, Jason has to sell almost 800 tickets. He's got a new comedy show coming up this morning. Jason Weems is joining us. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. good. Dion books Jason onto local Baltimore TV and radio stations, where he talks up the special trying to get people to shell out $40 a ticket. Watching him on social media is a bit like seeing a Jason Weems infomercial, where he's constantly prodding people to buy tickets.
1: I'm back, people. I'm on American soil. I'm about to go check on these tickets for unknown. If you ain't bought your ticket yet, you're wrong. If you bought your ticket, you're right. It's Friday. Buy them tickets. Come to the show. i am be funny, laughing, all. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Buy them damn tickets. Hey, two shows, seven o'clock and ten p.m. Centerstage.org for tickets. If you can't come to the show, just share this post. Tell some folks.
0: It's who- now November 10th. Tickets have been on sale for about three weeks. All the energy is just on selling seats. Every morning, Jason and Dion get an email update from Center Stage on the numbers. And every morning they're disappointed. The 10 p.m. show has only sold about 50 seats total.
1: I mean, it seems like everybody's saying they're going to be there. Just the, num- the numbers don't reflect what the messages that you're getting. So you got messages from, say, 10 people saying that I'm getting two tickets or something like that. So you're expecting to see at least a jump of 20. And then you get the daily ticket sales report the next day, and it may have jumped two.
0: And then just four days later, I see this on Instagram.
1: It is Wednesday, November 14th, and we got a sold-out goddamn show. Sold-out show. So that means you only got one chance left. You better go in there and get them damn tickets right now. Ain't nobody messing around with y'all.
0: It's the later show, the one that wasn't selling at all. And I feel so relieved for him. The next day, I reach Jason on the phone and ask him how it all came together so quickly. Well, it looks like all the promos paid off. How did you find yeah. out? Uh, like, where were you when you found out
1: the show sold out? Oh, and that's okay. Now, this is the funny thing it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. So, what do you that mean? Was, that, that's, that was a marketing strategy that was, pre- <laughs> that was presented literally by Deanna Shaland. And I had thought about it. It was funny because when I said it,
0: like, it's a huge gamble to pretend a show is sold out when it isn't. They're trying to inflate demand, but it feels like it could backfire in some way. Sure enough, what it actually does is confuse people. And so now sales for the 7 p.m. show completely stall. A couple days later, Jason has to post an exasperated message on Instagram trying to clear it up.
1: Clearing up a little misconception real quick. 10 p.m. is sold out. 7 o'clock still has some tickets left. People are saying, oh, I thought it was all the way sold out. No, you don't
0: read. Meanwhile, even while Jason is so focused on ticket numbers, he has to keep performing the material. The jokes need to become like muscle memory, where they just flow out of him. Thank
1: you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: With the special just three weeks away, Jason does a show at the DC Improv.
1: That's what I like about y'all. Y'all laugh and then shut the fuck up. Y'all reset quick as a motherfucker. Y'all don't, some crowds, you get a pop and then it's a wave. And then all you got to do is ride the wave. He's just riding. You gotta say, ha!
0: The set sounds nothing like that intimate show after his asthma attack.
1: Every joke, you gotta start from zero with y'all motherfuckers. Y'all been hurt before, I can tell. Y'all been in some bad relationships. Y'all don't trust people. I can feel it. I can feel the energy in the room. There's a lot of mistrust in here.
0: The reflective monologue is gone. He's back to his super high energy, hit them with joke, joke, joke delivery style. The death set feels tacked on at a
1: random moment towards the end. So they say that uh, comedy is a uh, tragedy plus time equals comedy. So my tragedy was last year, May 3rd, 2017, I died. This no feels bullshit, less like a
0: story a and more like a list of bullet points. I remember last time how he held up his bag with the meds and the EpiPens at the end. That made everything so real for the audience. I'm surprised
1: he doesn't do that tonight. Instead, tonight, he says, "If you enjoyed yourself, guys, after the show tonight, I'm in the back. I got some T-shirts and DVDs for sale. Um, if you don't want either, I don't know if I mentioned this. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. I also got some CVS products in my trunk. <laughs> Whatever you want, I got that shit. I got a fucking Nutrigrain bars, AAA batteries, body wash." It smells like smoke, but it shit still work, guys. This is not what I was expecting. Thank so much. Good
0: night. It's hard to reconcile this fast talking, disconnected Jason with the introspective Jason I saw just a few weeks ago.
1: So for me, I'm like over it. Like, I feel like it's almost like uh, making me stagnant creatively um, because, you know, the special is kind of built around this piece. Um, And I'm not sure if it wasn't for the podcast and if it wasn't for the special happening right now. I'm not sure if I would be working the death stuff.
0: I know that feeling right before you're about to launch something, when you still have all these to-do lists and it's so overwhelming. You just want to rip them up and be doing something else. And he still has to sell all these tickets.
1: I'm praying that they sell out sooner rather than later so that I can at least least have a week before the show that I'm not thinking about putting up a post. If I can just get up, you know, drop the boys at school and then just be in my head with the jokes and, you know, start kind of editing and chopping some stuff down or adding compared to like, oh, shit, let's go pass out some handbills and, you know, see if we can get another radio interview.
0: The pressure is on because Jason and Dion are paying for the special themselves. There isn't some big backer supporting them, and the show is becoming more of a burden financially than they expected.
1: Just finished dropping the boys off, and we are in full-out unknown mode. So this week is completely crazy. Tons of money floating around right now um, for uh, various things. T-shirts for the staff the night of, you know, stuff for center stage, Um, food for the film crew and for the staff the night of.
0: And then he drops another surprise.
1: We're condensing from two shows to one show. So we made that call over the weekend. That adds uh, a layer of pressure that wasn't there before in the sense of there's no safety. It doesn't give you that backdrop or that, that, that default of saying, oh, we'll get it on the next show. I've also had the situation where when everybody knows is riding on that one time, it feels like sometimes something magical happens. And that's what I'm leaning towards right now in my mind.
0: The money flowing out, the struggle to sell tickets, the logistics of putting together a huge production. It's a lot. And it feels inevitable that at some point the pressure would just boil over. On November 20th, just 10 days before the show, Jason sends me this diary entry.
1: Good morning. It is 6.45 in the morning, uh, up getting our kids ready for school and wake up to frustration and my wife crying. Uh, Just one of them mornings, man. It's been so much bullshit with Center Stage. People just not reading emails, following simple requests, uh, not following up when they say they're going to follow up. It's just been so much stress with this bullshit. Literally, I told my wife this morning, if they acting on some dumb shit today when we go down for our walkthrough, that I'll cancel the fucking show. Like, literally. No more show. Rip up the contract. I will find another venue and tell people, look, we're going to get your money back, and it'll just be somewhere else.
0: Jason and Dion go to center stage for their walkthrough. And once face-to-face, they all manage to calm down. It's not a perfect partnership, but they can work together. Ticket sales keep coming in, drip-by-drip, nothing like what Jason needs. Dion starts giving out freebies to radio stations to try to create some buzz, and Jason is still hawking them on Instagram.
1: Yo, we did a production walkthrough yesterday at Center Stage, and this shit is going to be amazing. If you've already got a ticket... You went for something special, something that you ain't never seen before. If you haven't got your ticket, 7 p.m. show, still has some tickets available. Go to centerstage.org right now.
0: Copy. At three days before the show, what Jason needs now is to rehearse the entire set one last time. Jason's friend Ramin runs the room at Ragtime, that club in Virginia, where he's been rehearsing the material for a year. Ramin books a slot for Jason to do the entire set front to back. And when Jason shows up, The two big round tables at the front have almost nobody in them. The room has zero vibe.
1: Because on Saturday, I'm filming a new special, so I gotta talk through some of this shit. (laughs) But if I didn't have to do that, I would do 20 minutes on how there's more chairs than people. (laughs) That's my time. Good night. Thank you. That's, that's the whole special.
0: He runs through the full one-hour show, including his non-death jokes. The crowd is really not reacting to the material, just a few chuckles here and there. Jason keeps making eye contact with Ramin at the back, as if to say, what is up with this crowd?
1: Thank you, sir. It's just me and you and me, Ramin. You. 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 This is a goddamn hey. town hall meeting in this bitch. <laughs> They came here to get their concerns out. They ain't come here to bitch to laugh. They came to report some potholes.
0: With only a handful of people in the audience and this sleepy crowd, it feels like one of his worst shows of the year. It's hard to imagine how things are going to turn around in just three days. I know Ragtime is a small local club, and sure, that's not the same thing as a big venue like Center Stage, but a packed house with a memorable performance feels so far away right now. Jason has been dreaming about unknown for a year. He told me he believes it'll bring him to the next level, but it feels like that belief is being tested. How is Jason going to pull this thing off? Will he walk out to record his big special to a half-empty crowd? And does Jason still have it in him to deliver a performance that counts? Next time on First Day Back.
1: You've seen them on HBO. You've seen them on NBC. You've seen them on Last Comic Standing. Give it up for my man, Mr. Jason. we. Really-
0: First Day Back is reported and produced by me, Talia Abacassas, and Mark George. The show is edited by Mary Beth Kirshner, and our executive producers are Suzanne Reber and Ellen Weiss. Sound design and score by David Herman, and fact-checking by Aisha Bagshi. First Day Back is a production of the Scripps Washington Bureau and Stitcher. Our executive producers at Stitcher are Jenny Radalit and Chris Bannon. You can find First Day Back on Stitcher and wherever you get your podcasts. You can hear ad-free episodes of First Day Back only on Stitcher Premium. For a free month trial, go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code FIRST. If you like First Day Back, don't forget to rate and review it on the Apple Podcast app. It really helps other people find the show. I'm Talia Abacassas, and you can find me on Twitter at Talia or on our website, firstdayback.com. Thanks for listening, and talk to you next week.